Welcome to the Nancy Ray Book Club, where every once in a while, I'll review a book I've just read with many of you, a book that I believe is worth reading, and I'll share my top three takeaways from that book. Today, I'll be sharing my thoughts on The Coaching Habit and a few ideas and practices that have really stuck with me since reading it. Now, a little side note, if you'd like to join me in the book club, feel free to visit nancyray.com slash book club. I'm already starting to work on my 2020 book club reading list, so I'm excited for what's in store. Definitely jump in and join me if you are a reader. You're listening to Work and Play with Nancy Ray, episode 29. Much of our daily lives can be divided into two categories, work and play. Simply put, that is where our life and our legacy take place. This is a podcast all about learning to work and play well, which leads to a healthy soul and a fulfilling life. Listen in. Okay, have you ever seen the show Friday Night Lights? It's a show all about high school football in Texas and what a big deal it is. If you've never seen it, I definitely recommend you watching it because it's one of me and Will's favorite shows, and it's always great to have a show that you can watch with your spouse, one that you both like. But there are a million reasons that I love Friday Night Lights. It's one of the shows that depicts a realistic and healthy marriage as a cornerstone of the show, and it's inspiring. I feel like that's rare these days to actually have a good, healthy marriage as the cornerstone of a show. Um, Yeah, it's just inspiring when you watch Coach Taylor coach these young men in football and you see this team and this town kind of rally around what they're doing. It's so awesome. But I think one of the things I love most about it is it shows you how you can have an impact on a person's life. And Coach Taylor and Tammy Taylor, they consistently have this massive impact on these young men and women. They're honest, they're humble. But they're also bold and they speak life and encouragement to these kids when a lot of times these kids are at their absolute worst. Now, I know this is a fictional show, but it's just really inspiring and it's got some great storylines in it as well. Okay, so what does this have to do with the book, The Coaching Habit? Well, for one, I've never been a coach. I don't even know what it's like to have an athletic coach because I've never played any team sports. I was not very athletic growing up at all. But it kind of just boils down to my love for Coach Taylor and Tammy Taylor because they coach and guide and lead and speak life into anybody who crosses their path, whether it's a friend, a high schooler on the football team, their daughter, or each other. This show showed me you don't have to be an actual professional coach to be a coach in someone's life, if you know what I mean. So The Coaching Habit, the book, simply teaches you to ask better questions in order to be a better coach. The subtitle of the book is Say Less, Ask More, and Change the Way You Lead Forever. Now, I think today there are so many people willing and ready to give advice around every corner. But when I think back to my own life, the most significant times that someone has helped me make a difficult decision is times when they've asked me really good questions and I came to the conclusion on my own. Research even shows that when you come to an answer on your own without being told what to do, dopamine is released in your brain and it's much more rewarding and more likely for you to stick with the decision than if someone just handed you the answer. 
in summary, that's that's why I chose to read this book. I also listened to an amazing podcast interview with the author, and I'll leave that podcast link in the show notes, um, and talked all about the book and how it really changed this person's perspective on coaching and kind of how they look at coaching and leading in general and in life. So that's why I read it. I want to ask good questions to the people that I love, especially when they're at a crossroads. I want to be a better mom and wife, asking specific questions to bring out the right answers that they get to discover. And I want to be a better listener. I want to position myself as a life-giving coach in the lives of those around me. And if I want that, I have to be intentional about learning how to be the kind of person that I want to be and coaching in the way that I would want to be coached. So let's jump into my three takeaways And then I'm actually going to go ahead and give you the seven excellent questions that he outlines in the book and encourages you to ask the best coaching questions that you can ask somebody. So first, I want to talk about my three takeaways. It's funny because it's hard to define three takeaways of this book when there's seven questions. So really the thing that stood out to me the most and what I want to share with you today as my three takeaways are the three building blocks of creating a new habit. And he intros the book talking all about habits, which I thought was fascinating. Um, The book is obviously called The Coaching Habit, but I love how he dived deep into this topic of forming a new habit because we're honestly all pretty much in the bad habit of just giving advice right away and just speaking our minds. And so being a good coach is actually learning to form this new habit. So anyway, my three takeaways are the three building blocks of creating a new habit. So the first building block of creating a new habit is to identify the trigger. If you have a bad habit that you want to break yourself of, or if you're in a situation and you know you're going to act a certain way or give advice or do whatever, you have to identify the trigger of your old actions. The second takeaway would be to identify the old habit. So you first have to identify the trigger, maybe the situation that you're in or the conversation that takes place. The second thing is to identify the old habit. And this is where you can use the language, okay, instead of this or instead of cutting in before they're done talking or instead of jumping to give advice, um, that's kind of where you identify the old habit. Um, And number three, the third takeaway is the third building block of creating a new habit is to define the new behavior. So first identify the trigger. What's, What's the trigger? What's the situation? The second is what's the old habit instead of blank. That's the old habit. And then the third is define the new behavior. I will do this. So instead of blank, I will do this instead. And you have to rewrite the new habit. And so he talks all about old habits, new habits, kind of building new habits. He says it's really important when you're building a new habit to do it in like bite-sized pieces, like something like it should take you 60 seconds or less to define what that new habit is and what you're going to do. And then throughout the book, he kind of guides you through each chapter, how to rewrite the script or, or redefine and create these new habits in your life and as it relates to asking really good questions. So I just thought that was really interesting framing this entire concept of being a good coach in the framework of building a new habit. So I want to jump into the seven questions because I think this is where the good stuff is really 
going to take off for you today is looking at these seven questions that he outlines in his book, The Coaching Habit, and kind of sharing what some of those questions look like, why you ask them, and why they're so powerful. The first question is the kickstart question. And that question is simply this, what's on your mind? Have you ever been asked that question? I think I've been asked that question a few times in my life, and it just feels like somebody wants to know me. They want, and not just me, not small talk, but like, hey, what's on your mind? What do you care about? What are you thinking about right now? I love this question. And he even kind of frames it a little bit more. You know, if you, if you're kind of in the coach shoes and you say, Hey, what's on your mind? A lot of times what will happen is someone will just start to kind of dump everything on you. Well, there's this issue that I'm facing at work and there's this in my family and this is this. I've still got all this left to do and this is overwhelming to me. And they just go on and on and on. And so he gives you the tool, um, what he calls the three P model, which I found really fascinating. And that's projects, people, and patterns. So the 3P model, you can use that as a coach and say, you know, if this person is dumping all of this stuff, what's on your mind going on and on and on, you can say, okay, well, let's look at, let's look at the projects that you're dealing with. Okay. So there's some projects maybe that are stressing you out, or let's look at the people that you're interacting with. Is there a particular person that's worrying you a lot? Or what are the patterns that we can look at? Maybe some patterns in your life or in your habits that might be contributing to this issue. Now, where do you think we should start? And when you throw it back on them, they can kind of narrow down their, I guess, issue or maybe all of their uh, issues that they're dealing with that are on their mind currently into three separate categories, people or projects or patterns, and then they can kind of choose which one is the most important place to start, which I thought was pretty interesting and a good um, guide to just kind of get things rolling as a coach. The second question is the awe question, spelled A-W-E. And the awe question is spelled A-W-E because it stands for, and what else? And what else? This is an incredibly powerful question because it always allows the person you're speaking to to dig just a little bit deeper. So oftentimes people are very quick to give maybe a surface level response or a quick, maybe not well thought out rambly response. But if you say, and what else? It kind of makes them pause and think like, wait, uh, okay, I got to go more with this. And then they go on a little bit more and then you can even do it again and say, and what else? And ultimately you want to get to the place where they're like, there's nothing else. Like there's, I don't have anything left to give. And that's a good thing because you've gotten them to the point where they really have opened up with you and shared a lot of what is on their plate. So I love that question because I think that you can use that really in any circumstance in any life, just three words and what else? Just kind of let that sit with you for today and see if you can use that conversation or question, the all question in conversation this week. The third question is the focus question. The focus question is, what's the real challenge here for you? So again, it puts it back onto the other person. And it's not just asking them, hey, what's the challenge? It's asking them, hey, what's the real challenge? And it's not just asking them, what's the real challenge? It's, 
what's the real challenge here for you? So it really makes that person who's talking to you really think like, what is the real challenge here for me, right? What is the thing that I am trying to get to? What is the heart of the matter that I am seeking to solve? And I think when asking this question, it really convinces them or shows them how to be more articulate and clear with their answer and really hone in on what is the real challenge here for them. Now, the foundation question is the fourth question, and that is simply this. What do you want? What do you want? I think about this question that was actually used on me earlier this year. We were at our quarter three planning meeting um, for Nancy Ray Photography and for this podcast and for my work. And this is the last year of my photography business. And man, immediately I'm jumping in. I'm planning all these things. I'm planning out this podcast and I'm planning out all these courses that I want to write and all these book ideas that I have and all these things. And I'm going on and on and on. And literally we spent two hours going through research and coming up with these ideas for me to create all these things. And one of my team members who I love dearly, and she always has a great perspective, but she looked at me and she goes, Nancy, what do you want? And I was like, wait, what? She was like, next year, after this photography business is closed, what do you want? Because what I'm hearing in all this discussion is that you want to keep working a lot and to build this new business and to grow it and create a lot of new work for yourself. Is that what you want? And after literally two hours of brainstorming all this stuff, there are great ideas. There are good money-making ideas. I mean, it was all good things. Like my entrepreneurial brain was on fire. I felt so excited. And I looked at her and I said, I don't want all that. And you know, I want to work. I want to work one day a week. I want to do my podcast. I want to be home with my babies and not have to worry about working so much and not feel the stress or pressure of work. And she said, I want you to just think about that. And that was just a game changer for me. So being on the receiving end of that question, it's amazing how we can literally go so far down a path without really stopping to ask what do you want? And so I think it's a really beneficial question to ask. Number five, the question number five is the lazy question, which kind of makes me laugh. But it's how can I help? It's kind of lazy because instead of you leaping into advice and you know going to work and solving their problem, it puts the question back on them to understand what are what are you really seeking? And not only what are you really seeking, what are you really seeking from me? How can I help? So I think it's a really great question to, to put it back on them and clarify before you do all this work or give them advice just to say, how can I help you? The sixth question is the strategic question. The strategic question is, if you're saying yes to this, what are you saying no to? You're asking them to be clear and committed to their yes, which is super important. But you're also asking them to fully realize and understand all the things that they're saying no to. And the seventh question is the learning question. What was most useful for you? This is such a helpful question as a coach. We want to know, you know, 
What is the most useful thing that I'm telling you? What is the most useful thing that you got from this conversation? I would really love to know. Maybe it was one question. Maybe it was a pointed question. Maybe it was maybe one little word or piece of advice that you gave. And it really causes the listener or the person that you're interacting with to kind of boil down the whole conversation to one point. What was the one big thing? What was the thing that you're going to walk away from taking with you from this conversation? And I think it's important to ask that because if we're constantly coaching and doing, but never asking that question, how are we ever going to know what the most powerful things are that we are saying and doing? So that's it. Those are the seven questions. Now, this book has taught me so many things. It's taught me to slow down and listen It's taught me to ask one question at a time and then pause. It's taught me some really incredible questions to just keep in my back pocket that I'll be able to pull out and use at any point in my life, in my, in my family, with my children. Literally, I see me using this question, these questions for decades to come. So it's my turn to coach you. You ready? What's on your mind after listening to this episode? And what do you want? What do you want to do with your life? Who do you want to be? If you want to be a coach of sorts in the lives of those around you, I encourage you, get this book, read it, soak it in, and learn to be a better question asker and a better listener. Okay, it's time for the work and play corner store. Today I'm going to bring the coaching habit as the book I'm loving. And the thing I'm loving is dedicated to all the parents out there who are trying to save money on a car or decide whether or not they're going to buy a minivan. But I have a backstory for you first. So when I got pregnant with baby number three, our sweet surprise boy, we quickly realized we did not have a car to fit three kids in. My husband has a four-door sedan and I own a Toyota Highlander. Well, let me just say I love my Highlander. I I didn't want to give it up, but immediately I heard so many voices on social media and from friends and family saying, oh, it's time for a minivan. It's time for you to upgrade to a minivan. It's time to get a car. Time to get a bigger car. You got to fit all three kids in there now. And I just didn't want to let go of my Highlander. So after some research, I found these skinny car seats. They're called the Diono car seat and they are a little bit more expensive, but I started doing my research and I realized Oh my goodness, we can fit three Diono car seats across the back seat of my Highlander and save all this money. I don't have to get a minivan. I don't have to get another car. And actually, I didn't do three Diono car seats. I did two Diono car seats and I was able to fit um, the little key fit car carrier, the Kiko thing for the newborn. Anyway, one newborn, two toddler Diono seats. And I was really hesitant because they're like $250 each for these car seats. And that's an expensive car seat. But Will and I were talking about all the options. We're like, well, it's either getting these skinny car seats to put in our car or we buy another car. Now we have three small kids. At the time of this recording, they're ages four, two, and almost 10 months old. Gosh, that's crazy. Nine, Nine months old, nine and a half months. Anyway. The thing about having small kids is you want to be able to reach them. They can't buckle themselves in. You want to be able to grab them. You want to be able to kind of hand them a snack or hand them their water. You can't do that in a minivan. And when we had Beaufort, our littlest, 
Our oldest was three, so I had a three-year-old, a one-year-old, and a newborn baby. So to me, keeping all three of them within arm's reach next to each other in the back seat was gold. And even though I spent money on these car seats, I tell you what, it saved us thousands of dollars in buying a minivan and just a lot of stress because when you're like dealing with the newborn, you don't want to be crawling all the way into the back seat to buckle in your three-year-old who can't buckle yourself. So anyway, that's my story for today. That is why I love my Diono car seats. And if that is you, I hope that I was able to save you, I don't know, maybe thousands of dollars and crazy headache of trying to buy a new car because it's just really great to love the car that you have and to make it work. So that's it. If you're new around here, I end every episode with the Work and Play Corner Store, a book and a thing I'm loving, and it might be completely random. The only rule I want to stick by is that it's something I personally use or recommend. I'll get a tiny commission from anything bought through these links in the show notes, which will help me continue to bring this podcast to you every week. Plus, it's just going to be fun. So stay tuned to the Work and Play Corner Store features at the end of every episode. Thanks for listening to episode 29 of Work and Play with Nancy Ray. Everything I mentioned today can be found in the show notes at nancyray.com slash podcast slash 29. And you can find me at nancyray.com or follow me at Nancy Ray on Instagram or Facebook almost daily. I'm going to close with words from Coach Taylor himself. I can't give you any answers. you got to make the answers. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time.